0: Let's see. Uh
1: hey, Ashley.
2: My fault, y'all. I just got off some nasty traffic. It's mighty, Gras.
1: <laughs> oh no. You are literally right on time. Um I'm the one that's uh trying to scrounge everywhere because this is the only day I can go get my nails done. So I'm trying to take care of hungry dogs and find my eyewear. <laughs> oh, okay. What's what I have to do? Used to give people like five minutes or so to get into the room. Um
0: i was trying to be proactive and have some music playing in the background but that didn't happen let's see
1: and i hope i didn't confuse people because we're doing um so many other things and looks like they just changed clubhouse again i don't understand it I do believe I posted it enough and, um, we're going to start here in clubhouse first, and then we're going to move over to discord to, um, watch the, um, cocktail demonstration with, uh, chicken and champagne.
0: Hey, Kendrick. What to do? What to do?
1: Nothing else. I'm going through my list to see. On, uh, I'm sure I'll probably say this more than once, but... Um, we're going to start with John here in Clubhouse and then move over to the live demonstration with uh, chicken and champagne. And I did set up a link for it. I'm going to put that in the chat. Um,
0: so, and I think that I
1: have totally goofed with my team difference. I'm thinking eight her time, let's see.
0: Hey, Chris. Oh. All right, I think I went through my list. Um, let me give some housekeeping.
1: we get started. So this is 7.05. So welcome to Being uh, Black and Craft. This is Angie of the Undeniable Vixen. I am the moderator for this evening and uh, Being Black and Craft where our mantra is we don't apologize for recognizing our influence on craft beer. We have a double header this evening. We're going to be talking to John with Cajun Fire out of New Orleans and then we're going to Travel on over to Discord to do a live mixology class with Chicken and Champagne. And uh, they have partnered together. Apparently they've partnered before, but they partnered again for us to do a uh, beer cocktail. And then I believe she's going to do another cocktail. She has two that she created for us with her mix that I listed uh, that you could actually go and get. So John, I'm going to just uh, ask you some questions. I believe you have like from the time that we talked there's so many different exciting things that have recently happened since the last time that we talked. So I know that um you have lots to share. So let's get started. All right, thank Is you that okay? Me, Angie.
2: Oh yeah, that's yeah. that's all okay. <laughs> London grass. I'm I'm feeling
1: good. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So just let me just throw this question out. How many parties do you think that you, on average, do you usually go for Mardi Gras? I
2: don't know. I'm kind of just getting back in the rhythm of things with uh, because it's the first true Mardi Gras, where we don't have any real uh, COVID restrictions. So I'm, mm. I'm I'm a little ashy on some of the things I used to attend. Like uh, this year, I kind of kept it light. So I went to like a, mm-hmm. a mayor's ball. They got like a lot of balls in our area. That's you know, black people in the, in the masses dressed to the T. Uh, it's normally associated with like the different socialite and pleasure clubs, and um, it's it's you know it's a full business. So they definitely celebrate and have a ball, give out awards, and those events erupt in either zydeco music or second line music. So it's it's a good time. Um, mm-hmm. But I kept it light this year. I, be real, which I just. I served at a lot of different spots, did samples. This is my, probably my, my most traffic I get for my brand. Uh, so I, mm-hmm. I gave a lot of samples out, um, did some in-kind things. And I just, you know, uh, I command right now to, the uh, New Orleans Regional Black Chamber, so I try to incorporate a lot of the businesses that work uh, with that as members. Um, I don't feel like I've been partying intentionally. I'm just, as a byproduct of the work, <laughs> I'm, in, mm-hmm. I'm in the mix. <laughs>
1: okay 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 yeah so um <clears throat> i think most most of us here have seen one pine at a time but for those who may be listening on replay please go and see this uh wonderful documentary and you are featured as one of the um uh, subjects uh for Cajun yep. fire and showing your location uh, the challenges that you had uh, with getting something as far as brick and mortar, and continuing to uplift your brand.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So what? So is what has it been? What was that? Two years ago or so?
2: To be what real, you know, was it was about it? three, three or four years ago.
1: Okay, it was okay. Just
2: shot. It was shot so well. I mean, uh, Aaron Jose and his wife—they they do an awesome job with edits and just the. Um, mm-hmm. The timing, I guess, of what they caught was uh, very unique for a t- documentary like that. But uh, since then, I mean, a lot of those barriers that I mentioned, for, for those of you who have seen the film, it's a, um, it's a film that follows three uh, brewing companies in this space and um, in this multi-billion dollar industry, being black owners. And, uh, you know, it has a lot of different insights. Uh, but it's a very amazing documentary, if y'all get a chance. If you haven't seen it, it's called One Pint at a Time. Um, but it, it's, you know, all those systemic barriers that I mentioned in the film i wouldn't say they they have improved you know they're still there i just found different ways to navigate around them and, and you know be successful with my
1: brand okay so what ha- what have you done catch us up with what you have uh, been able to maneuver to keep moving forward well i think
2: the the most pressing thing that i couldn't necessarily share on when i was in the film is i was in a lot of different legal uh battles against my competitors uh so mm-hmm. I, I was a little bit to be real, which I was a little bit reserved, even with, uh, my presence in the film, but I knew, um, how important it was to see, uh, young black males in that space of ownership in this industry. So I didn't mind the you know, whatever collateral was for what I could, you know, display. Um, but you know, I I have overcome a lot of those different, uh, legal battles. (laughs) My competitors know Mm -hmm. who I am. They know uh, how my brand is expanding. And right now, you know, i'm just trying to make sure our brand is uh, prevalent in my region but also in areas that have any kind of affinity for new orleans made products which is a lot of places in america so um you know we've been looking at expanding efforts into different states for distribution uh, we all been, also are not limited to just the states but we're looking at export opportunities that we've taking
1: advantage of as well so was it um as far as like the um the the battles the, as far as the legal battles was it just them trying to push you out or not trying to allow you to be your own entity, like breaking I, you out.
2: It was all, it was all the above. Um, you know, I mean, I am in Louisiana, so, you know, mm-hmm. New Orleans, you know, we, it's, it's a kind of, <laughs> you got a, a large concentration of, uh, of black middle-class, uh, black people that own things in that space. So that you know, that that becomes a threat, a threat to these surrounding parishes and even even internal. Um, you know, I'm still in an area that's largely recovering from Hurricane Katrina, and um, you know, it, it it's a, it's an old state. <laughs> we we a state that's older than the Union, so they got a lot of old families, and we, we just try to make sure we have an impact. We, we get access to the all those different resources that a lot of our competitors we see.
0: Okay.
1: Um. Sorry, uh, <laughs> sticking in I I th- I don't know if y'all were at the same place, but she's uh, at a Mardi Gras event now, so she's uh, sending me notes. Um, so let me actually go back to um, I'm trying to remember the conversation that we had. And one of the things previously, just talking to a lot of brewers, whether they were doing some contract brewing or they were um. They had their brick and mortar space mm-hmm. distribution was a big hurdle it was a big hurdle and now i'm seeing different uh people just popping up and say hey we're in 40 states hey we're you can come and get us anywhere hey it's like this what do you think has happened is there a new distribution entity that it's- has uh, grown up or what
2: I mean, it's a, lot, it's a lot in the industry and the landscape when you look at it from just policies and things changing. It's a lot of stuff that's changing overnight, like rapidly. Um, one norm, though, is that Louisiana and Mississippi ain't in that mix. <laughs> mm. so I'm looking, I'm kind of outside looking in like, damn. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, I'm, I'm happy to see all that because it, it is opening up. And eventually I know some of those opportunities may trickle down to my state um but because i'm headquartered i can't that's in in louisiana and that's the the strength of my brand is that it's a regional brand from a you know a national stage they want to see products that's made or conceived in in louisiana and more specifically new orleans um you know i kind of get i got to give and take the okay straight capitalism in me want to just be like <laughs> Let me headquarter my brand somewhere else, but then you lose like a lot of the the brand and exposure that come with it, with uh, being in mm-hmm. an international city that's known for food. Um, so we get a lot of we get a lot of uh, traffic in the like the beer mail circles. Like I am on Untappd pretty heavy, and I can see like different beings in states where we don't distribute. So we got like a large underground following when it comes to distributing our beers in different areas. But it's you know each, mm-hmm. all like I can say is each state is its own entity. So you know what's done in state neighboring to you it, it could be light years ahead or you know miles behind however the progressive yeah. bill laws are like for instance like te- texas is neighboring to me we've been in mm-hmm. uh negotiation for distribution with that state for like two years now we just getting through to like the comptrollers and some of the things you need to to lock in and it's a it's a big ass state but you know it it's laws it's very different <laughs>
0: yeah (laughs) yeah it's
2: it's,
1: i think maybe about two three weeks ago they Mm. went to uh was legislature to um to to hopefully put a law on the books for us to uh do distribution um within our entity because it's very hard for like low you know not low but smaller businesses um because the beer to go was just during covid and because it was so successful they wanted to you know keep it going and there's many ways to around it too
2: yeah because so you got you got those things that popped off with uh to-go orders of alcohol but also you got like you know your mm-hmm. drizzly apps you got like those apps right. where you can sell things online you got tavor and they, they're plenty of Plenty more apps that are smaller and, and larger in, in scope. Uh, even like Total Wines, they do like some kind of delivery services, and I'm seeing Amazon kind of getting their feet wet with that. It.
1: Okay. but
2: um, it's a lot. It's a lot of different ways you can you can navigate it versus uh, even five years ago. Um, that's mm-hmm. completely different. I think so the more difficult it? thing is the distribution part, though. Like once you get into a state, you got the permit, you got the wholesaler laws, then you got to find. distributor and that's and depending on what state you're in which i think is now like 13 when you can't self-distribute in they still have Mm -hmm. like pull the you know still have pull and autonomy on how far and the scope of what your products are going to get access to
1: so i was going to ask you uh, because i I believe you said that you're part of the new orleans chamber of commerce or business chamber of commerce uh,
2: so i'm a i'm currently the executive director for the new orleans regional black chamber of commerce yeah, we, uh, so how
1: how has that been, as far as a, maybe uh, assisting you as far as your business, but the different changing of the guards? Because you said that you were you're you're a young cat compared to the to the norm, yeah, that's in that, so it, in that realm,
2: I think that I mean it's a it's my first real nose dive into the non-profit space. i you know I've been for profit for quite some time as far as my uh, background, like background but um i will say uh being exposed to it it is interesting like you know it's a it's a lot of similarities to the for-profit space uh but it's just like different mannerisms of doing business and you know it, i think for for me being a ceo being exposed to this is uh the blessing is it is uh not only aiding my business sense but it's allowing me to connect with a lot of other business uh, members and you know not even just from a selfish standpoint but also you know i'm in alcohol so that that thing is so regulated i call it the most regulated unregulated industry um it allows me to channel you know my my co- co- uh, consulting abilities into like these businesses that may not have as many difficulties um that's that stacked against their businesses like if they're in beverage i got we got a lot of um beverage members uh that's not in the alcohol space that you know it, it's kind of like child's play navigating that space and telling them how to better uh, position in brand. So, you know, it's, it's rewarding. Uh, we're one of the oldest chambers in the uh, US. Uh, it's about 17 years old. Um, got one of the largest membership bases, about 400 members. We cover a pretty large territory, uh, four parishes. Um, so pretty much I always tell people, it's like, if you're looking at the, the state of Louisiana from a boot perspective, it's pretty much the toe. <laughs> if, you, if you kind of think about it like that. But um, yeah, it's, it's rewarding, it's challenging uh i do get a lot of age discrimination but i think once people look at my business background you know they can see my that i work my weight and salt they know i'm about my business and i get things accomplished
1: as far as your brick and mortar are you still thinking of being in that same uh, place the the uh old theater, or were you thinking of uh, getting somewhere so, else? Because I knew that that was like a yeah, I was, uh, was an issue.
2: I think so. The, at the time of that that film, right, that filming, I was mm-hmm. I was bidding on that spot, um, but I could I, I wasn't successfully winning, and then you know it was crazy that uh, that building actually wound up burning down, and I think it was oh. might have been <laughs> might have been arson you know um but yeah that building was burned down leveled, um which was that, that sucked you know um but mm. um yeah i'm still i'm still going forward on my um my development of my property you know the day we i think since the when that video was shot that covered the property it still has some lingering elements of like swampland because it was pretty much when i purchased it i mean it was prime real estate it was right off the interstate um a huge waterland land we expanded it to 14 acres now um mm-hmm. it's all commercially zoned c3 so i'm just waiting for um right now we got i got to get sewage installed on the property but man it's it's uh the blessing is that it's c3 the development i'm doing will only take up about a, about a, a little bit over an acre So about 70,000 uh square feet for that for the brewery development but around it we'll have ecosystem other manufacturing products and um yeah, I got a lot of different ideas i'm gonna be able to manifest in that, that space but also as far as tenants and things like that for uh you know potentially black-owned businesses that need ghost kitchens um we got okay. a large yeah we got a large food truck uh culture that's growing and you know sometimes uh that's not necessarily the end goal but because we, we often deny like a lot of lease opportunities we don't get access to those ghost kitchens so we right off the interstate and uh yeah it's a lot of potential. <laughs> And it was an okay. it was a, a extreme risk, but a lot of you know a lot of gain has been going from that risk.
1: Uh tell us um, about the new the newest uh, beer that you have out that uh, Chicken and Champagne is going to be using.
2: Oh, the um, the uh, Big Queen. So yes. Big Queen. Uh, so it's a it's a juicy porter, right? That's how we labeled it. Big Queen Juicy Porter. Um, it's a uh, porter that has blackberries and molasses infused into it. Um, so it's not, you know, it's, uh, it has a, a very uh, nice finish with that molasses touch in it. Um, it's something that we thought would be unique to that porter because we, you know, we're in the south and you get it, you know, that's a very southern ingredient. Um, and we sourced it from a local company in Homer and added that to the boil. And uh, it, 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 it's, it has a nice kind of malt base on it but it's not we don't let it overwhelm the product it's very balanced it's about seven percent abv and it's a companion to like we had released a, a big chief product when we first came out in the market uh, that was like a vanilla cream stout and um we just thought it was a great product to not only embrace but also just to get more women on uh deeper and more complex biz so it kind of worked you know as a trojan horse we released it around essence uh the can is purple uh but it has like a um it has an overlay of a Mardi Gras Indian suit that's worn by Dawn Richards, who's formerly was in Danity Kane, but also is now going to create her own pop career, and uh, she's also artist, owns a vegan uh, store as well. Um, but it's it's a beautiful can, so we don't use any kind of caricatures in it. We uh, we actually have a her uh, lace uh, Indian uh, suit as it's seen in a nice image and. We just we just let that can speak for itself and we also just try to make sure we pay homage to like the mardi gras indian culture which is without y'all that are listening it's, it's a um, it's a culture of mardi gras masking it's like the ornate suits that you see us associated with mardi gras um, that her tribe is very much integral to like the history of that it's one of the oldest um, practices of american culture in the in u.s right now it's about 200 years old um it's not really changed from when it from its origin and um yeah she keeps those customs alive i don't mask anything i'm a member of the united nation home of indians but you know my skill set is on the spirit side <laughs> but yeah they, these suits that you see like paraded around during mardi gras they take like years of development planning stitching it, it's it's really like a, a full-flung autistic expression and that's what we wanted the product to to uh represent that if you
1: if you PPR my picture you'll see um one, I believe, she, uh, that may have been one of the queens of the court. It's probably a couple of years, you know, because I was going back. But, um, mm-hmm. but tell me this, uh, because I think you motherfuckers um, ain't ready for this. Not necessarily a misconception, but I'm wondering how. You motherfuckers ain't ready for this. in New Orleans or, or rather the temperament of people in New Orleans. So when I see the Black Indians, I okay, mm-hmm. I get that. And but when I see at Mardi Gras I see the people that are black people that are in blackface. And then I see some other people in blackface. What mm-hmm. is that a representation of? What because I know there's some type of heritage to that do you, I'll right.
2: ask do you No, know, well, but. Yeah, so, I mean, one came, one came, you know, slightly before the other. So, of course, mm-hmm. you know, most people naturally, their mind, go to blackface, right, without any context, you know, you see, like, a person's face playing in black, rightfully so. You know, if you're looking, like, oh, shit, you know, it's going to trigger some kind of emotions. Well, the history behind it, and that's particularly, I know every year we see, like, a Times kind of outrage and, you know, the headline um there's a there's like mardi gras indian crews that put on fun um host the balls like i mentioned these these mardi gras parades, well you know historically they have been uh white because you know between jim crow uh and, and the and whatever the new age of jim crow was still going on you know you couldn't you couldn't gather in large masses like this and host like mardi gras balls you know there's a lot of things that that were uh that arrived from you from that mardi gras experience henceforth you have what I, what I mentioned about the Mardi Gras Indians that was uh, black people uh, specifically carving out their own celebrations in the the spirit of Mardi Gras, right so with Zulu social Pleasure Club you know we had they had riders they had organized uh, you know but uniforms were very expensive for a lot of the labor unions so as a form of wanting to keep their their um, their crew in uniform and sync uh, they, they proposed using some very inexpensive uh, oils that, you know, wore makeup at, at one time and was black makeup uh, just to keep everyone uniform. And also it was a form of protection because once you were identified as being able to ride in these crews, you were identified as a um, financial uh, uh, pillar in your community, which would make you a target during Jim Crow. So it was a lot of it was a lot in context that to keep people protected. Uh, when you had your kings and all that, they would also have the same kind of face paint. Uh, but that—that's just the context that's sometimes left out. It, it started as a form of protection and endearment, and then it marked into a tradition. And those traditions, because it, they do try to keep them as authentic mm-hmm. as possible, that's what you see it of. So
1: it's not. I'm sorry. <laughs> My dogs are trying to have fun today. I guess. Move, well, what So. Um, so if I'm walking down and I'm walking through the parade or walking through the um, watching the parade, if I happen to see someone that is isn't of another hue, is not necessarily going to be an issue because the assumption is that they are representing the culture correctly, or it, it, is it so now a, taboo now?
2: It's not. It's not taboo. It's. It's more. You know, it's it's a little bit different than I forgot what I think it's like in the Netherlands where they celebrate, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm, and dress mm-hmm. up. It's a it's a com, com, uh, totally different uh, element. So you won't necessarily see. Now I'm not saying you won't. You will. It's New Orleans. People kind of do what they want, but you won't see uh, anyone walking around with blackface and just not getting you know uh, that's not affiliated with with Zulu for that day. Okay. So okay. it's not something that people just you know. Now, like I said it's new orleans you know you got a lot but i based on the culture and how it is right now i doubt a person will get just be walking around being disrespectful being unchecked okay you know okay yeah
1: um outside of mardi gras when um when would you see people in their regalia in this manner and this pageantry do they have any other laws or anything
2: I mean, it it could be as simple as like I know we had a parade for Beyonce, uh, they had people dressed up as ball attire going to Anita Baker concert. <laughs> okay. Essence Fest, Fest. You know, it it just it just depends. Okay. I mean, Bayou Classic, it's all it, you know, it's a it's a festive place. <laughs> I'm kind of desensitized to it, to be real with you, but yeah, it, it's it's like ah, got... you know, we, we get geared up. <laughs>
1: It, it's I guess it's kind of like me. I can be uh, driving down the freeway and I'll see somebody uh, with their horses and they're going up the other up their way other way and I don't think anything about it because I'm in Texas yeah, and it could I mean, be and it's like you know black cowboys and it's just like no no big thing mm-hmm. where everybody else is like oh my god
2: so I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean we got a lot we have a lot of uh, conventions that be hosted here too so you know they you know they come all these big Fortune 500 companies, they always host they, they main conventions here throughout the year. I'm surprised we didn't get like a, a CBC or something like that out here. Uh, but we, we do host like mm-hmm. uh, Tales of the Cocktails, which is like the the Olympics for cocktail exploration. Um, really? Yeah, we got some, some heavy-hitting events that be out here.
1: Is there something that you would like to do as far as like um... Ex, you know exposure or maybe even opening up the brand even more so um as far as like having it at the superdome or yeah i don't necessarily have a fair maybe like something that's you can go to like a, a game the, where the you can closest, go, okay
2: yeah the, yeah the closest thing we had to like a fair we got uh we got like a and a restaurant showcase which is like Mm -hmm. a just a a big ass convention center to open up with a showcase of different like um, restaurants and food vendors that we participate in. That's the closest thing we got to a We have to fair other than like straight up festivals, uh, which (laughs) is a festival for everything. (laughs) No lie. Um, But as far as like being into in, in a, like a major sporting arena, those, those contracts are pretty much locked in, in box. So like, you know, even like a big jazz fest um uh, mm-hmm. cause brand on the rights to that, so we can't have our product on the premises um one of my competitors owns the uh concession rights to the superdome so you know mm-hmm. don't ever put nothing like he ain't gonna see us no time soon i, I would imagine not having anything like uh the official bid sponsor of the saints unless we don't want a fat ass lawsuit
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. okay
2: you know, so those those things kind of get smashed up it, it it's you know that because we are a very heavy drinking market though the contracts are very sophisticated so we try to we try to do the curve that we get in on inaugural festivals with companies and grow with them versus waiting till they Got it. you know make a million festivals and then asking for a contract and we, we just don't have the the cash flow like that to <laughs> c- cover a yeah. sponsor royalty
1: yeah i can see maybe like um we have the black invitation a black rodeo every year mm-hmm. um here at, at the fair park and that would be great to see you know some cajun fire or you know pine exchange yeah. or anybody like that
2: And sometimes there's a like there's a, a, a slim silver line that you could get into there because i mean recently a lot of companies have been at least putting up the effort for dei type or uh, equitable, equitable mm-hmm. type purchasing of, of the uh products but... It's, it's different from saying it and doing it
0: <laughs> you know absolutely yeah. i can
1: definitely agree agree with that um well i'm going to open the floor and at, and uh if anyone has any questions uh feel free to ask a question of john um i know i had one other thing that i wanted to ask you but i wanted to make sure that i open up the floor too I know chicken and champagne she said that she was still at her other event and she's not sure she's gonna make it in time (laughs) to get to her products um
2: y'all can keep it flowing with me i mean i got i got until eight then i gotta go deliver ice
1: (laughs) yeah so you have big teeth you have um your newest one stop so What do you think would be the next beer that you would want to make?
2: I actually have it scaled up, ready to roll, got my trademarks, word marks, all that approved, so I I can feel good about talking about it. Um, I got a product called Old to Augustus. It's a two-part beer collaboration I'm doing. Um, So a lot of people don't realize that, you know, and the only reason I'm privy to this information uh, is because I'm in New Orleans and, I went to a Catholic high school. I was raised Catholic um, and had mm-hmm. like a huge affinity with theologians and stuff like that. And I, when I looked into it, I went to this uh, all all a black, a predominantly black male school called St. Augustine High School, which um, is an all boys school. It's a Catholic school um, in the, in the Seven Ward of New Orleans, which is a historic black neighborhood. Um, this, the, uh, the saint, St. Augustine of Hippo, he was a patron saint of beer. And I was shocked when I realized a lot of people, alumni, just really history kind of landscaped over, like everybody's familiar with St. Arnold and how that's, but the, the patron saint of beer in print, his name is St. Augustine of a Hippo. Hippo, um, and he was uh, a theologian. He was based out of um, Algeria, and he was in an area that's kind of similar to like the Gulf of Mexico, but just inverted. And uh, he got ordained his sainthood because at the time of, you know, widespread leprosy and things like that, um, the only thing people could drink was his purified beer, and they didn't understand the, the microchemistry behind it, uh, where you know if you if you flushing out everything because you got leprosy and you're dehydrated, or well, if you naturally just drink something that'll refresh you as you you know being hydrated. Well, um, he got ordained his sainthood from curing that, and he went on to uh, be one of the most accomplished printing uh, printing press masters of uh of the theologian theologian uh kind of cycle like talking about like six six hundred a.d <laughs> to a thousand his influence was and that's i think that's how long his castle stayed erected and had a full brew house inside of it uh there's been many artifacts has been preserved from it uh, but of course it, it is in algeria and you know they constantly at war <laughs> i don't know if i don't know you know I don't know if there's been any deep dives into his history on that front but he is heavily revered and i just thought it was interesting he's you know depicted as a brother in a lot of the paintings and everything like that and with our school being founded by him and also the city um of uh, st augustine florida being named after him you know i thought it was a great bit to kind of spread that out and also play around with doing a very um goldenish ale that's very kind of traditional in flavor profile so uh, I'm very excited about that product coming out. And you know, I think the history behind it, I'll be able to shout out my my alumni as well. And I, I, I'm positive it'll do well just off the scope of that. We got Purple Knight brothers all over the U.S. and the world. And honestly, it, that school is, you know, if you meet anybody else that's from there, they got, we got a lot of people that's around and that y'all probably know. Um, it's very much set up like a fraternity. So, you know, it's it's rare to, to come from that kind of background and be exposed from this. And I just thought that would be my way to pay homage to that uh that little bit of history that's not really known.
1: That's really cool. Did not I did not know that.
2: Yeah, look, I mean, I know I kind of <laughs> went on and on, but look look 'em up. Like St. No, uh, Augustine with really, was... hippo. It's worth it's worth checking out. Okay. Well,
1: uh I think I to, I I I grew up pretty much in the Catholic uh, Catholic school church area I think Ashley did too maybe a little bit a little bit of Catholic school so you're writing right in my home base <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I was uh, I, you made me think about something else when you mentioned about your can art. So what? Led you to not do anything as far as like caricatures or like uh, artistic renderings, but actual photographs as far as mm-hmm. your art can. Why was that important to you? Well, I, I
2: think I think it just gives my brand like competitive edge. Like I like to go where my competitors can't go, and because you know the city gets bitten a lot, I was like, all right, if y'all want to follow me here you know, follow me into this land. We're we going to do, like, real images. Um, so we, we, we just made it a point where we don't do any kind of caricatures. We don't do any kind of branding like that. And, you know, and it's, it's real intentional. I mean, if you look at the history of, like, black manufactured products on the retail side, when I mean, it's regarding food and everything, it's always kind of, you know, we got a, a terrible history of uh, uh, disparaging images. And I ain't not want to, you know, I ain't not want to, uh, anything designed in that lane i kind of want to go for a more timeless uh narrative look at it instead of just a like objective you know caricature
1: i know you have a lot of uh like subject matter that you can pull up of that you won't have to even do that because uh, new orleans has so many different little nooks and crannies that just going there you can always find something new to just a part of the um of the different forests you can just just gleam off of and just be in that one place and enjoy so yeah I it's, can see it's that. like
2: the, they got so many different <laughs> angles you could slice it at uh, but i think the thing that kind of keeping in check too is like you know them trademarks cost <laughs> to protect them the <laughs> right way you know, you you you're gonna have to pick. You gonna have to pick something that you want and go after it. And then you got, you, know, you mm. gotta tie up, you gotta scale up a product. So I try not to like my style. I try not to um, fall in love with a design before the product is made. I try to create a product and then build the brand around it. Because if you're doing it other okay. way, you you start just producing anything. In my opinion, and and dilute your brand. So we we try to do things that you know, damn near, it's like a tattoo. It'd be something that we could we could really. Uh, Get some some quality content around
1: so as we kind of uh, close out for louisiana heritage month because we've been doing it since like mid-january all the way up to tomorrow which is mardi gras what mm-hmm. would you like someone to know about your your history your culture just new orleans what is something that you would like people to know that maybe they have a misconception about um i mean we we
2: slowly starting to lose that that girl's going wild shit. (laughs) you know that that between that and travel channel i would say that kind of lower people's expectations or heighten them for whatever they're trying to look for about when they come to new orleans but i think those imageries and and things are kind of not really removed from what people expect when they, they think about new orleans but i think a lot of the young entrepreneurs are uh, even seasoned ones are, are doing a, a good job of controlling the narrative like they just had a, a times article that got released that showcased a couple of our, um uh, franchising restaurateurs and they, they you know they partnered up with De- uh, dillard to release a uh, uh institution where they, they would document and house like the true history of our culinary backgrounds so you know i think you, you just got a different level of business, uh, people that's coming to the fold that's really working things from an ownership standpoint. Uh, what, you know, I want, pe- what I would I would say people should look into me about, probably just be my influences, like my, my background. Again, probably the most impactful things with me, I think, resonate with a lot of uh, different people that's appreciative of, of craft being in that space, uh, be it peers or people that just are connoisseurs. You know, my um, I got a lot of, uh, Understandings that got passed down to me from my grandmother, who was a historian, and she lived at home in Louisiana, which is in the Bayou area. Uh, she was the town historian for the city of Berwick. She created the first black elementary school, and she she was really about preserv- uh, uh, preservation of uh, like our history and stories and things like that. So I think a lot of that got directly passed down with me, and then I was also, you know, unfortunately impacted by Hurricane Katrina. So that taught me at a very young age the importance of entrepreneurship and ownership, right? And uh, I think those three three things stringing together, and then my experience in the craft business space, kind of that's that's what my story is at. <laughs> so I'm I'm all about ownership. I'm all about enterprising, um, and
1: mm-hmm. I'm all
2: about you know people that's in this space to get access to wealth and generating opportunities. That was
1: that's really interesting. Um, that's I really appreciate you saying that. I really appreciate you sharing about your grandmother. You said it was your grandmother, not your great grandmother, but your grandmother. Yeah, was wasn't his wow. Mm-hmm. Um do they have anything like an homage to her or anything that um like in a museum that kind of showcases that she was the first she was the one that helped. Chaps elementary school in that in that there's parish no,
2: like, there's no like plex anything like that but uh, you know I do have like a lot of like the news paper edits and things like that okay and, and documents and a school is like she has a school that's still standing but there's nothing that's right. like really um, you know uh, like a like a metric a mark that's in the city or anything mm-hmm. and keep in mind it's in Berwick Louisiana which is like the neighboring city to Morgan City. Which ain't too big itself, but it's right on the port, so it's you know, it's in the it's in the deep south, so it's really not that kind of documentation.
1: Mm-hmm. But you have things to to keep the um the lineage as far as like letting um people or your you know children's children children's children oh, and yeah. everyone else yeah, so to we, know
2: about you know I, I believe in owning land too, so I have a pretty large amount of land um, that I you know I had no intention to selling or anything like that to pass down to my uh, my children and nephews and whatever but I, I do document a lot and as uh, as she was like a very much a, um, a historian that kept and preserved a lot uh, just one thing I want people to know about me so in my in her teaching me that I began to, and that's what really got me into the beer game I saw like the uh, the lack of appreciation of our narratives and our contribution and I kind of took offense to that and i did a deep dive on acquiring black artifacts in the space and i got a pretty pretty large catalog of those kind of pieces as well because it it was like a lot of uh intentional uh collecting and destroying of a lot of our um contributions to this this industry
0: Mm -hmm.
2: i make sure you know i just try to be a keeper keeper of the the flame for lack of better words
1: okay this is truly my last question if I, was,
2: if I got I was, like I got about 15 minutes for well, my ice duty. Well, yeah, I'm breath. just like I, I
1: know I, I said I opened the floor, but then I kept on talking, that's why I said I have just one more question. I'm gonna be quiet. So I'm in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and I want something to eat. I don't want my mothers and daughters. I don't want you to take me to no tourist trap. I don't want to go <laughs> to Paris for the bu- buffet. Where would you take me? Take me to the hole in the wall.
2: And take me to somewhere that's gonna be good. Good so diet. I got I got two holes in the walls, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> um, well, I start with, I start with something good. I always say, you know, Parkway Bakery is it's a po' boy spot, but it's just like to me the best po' boy spot, and it's a it's a it's a good environment.
1: Mothers and daughters. I don't want you to take me to no tourist trap. I don't want to <laughs> go to Paris for the bu- buffet. Where would you take me? Take me to the hole in the wall, and take me to somewhere that's gonna be good. Good so
2: diet. I, I got two hole in the walls, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> um, well, I start with, I start with something good. I always say, you know, Parkway Bakery is it's a po' boy spot, but it's just like to me the best po' boy spot, and it's a it's a it's a good environment. It's a nice warm up to a spot, you know, but. Uh, it, it's it's hard to put into words, man. It's <laughs> it's a good ass spot. Normally when I have meetings when people come in town, that's why I take them to Parkway Boys, and they make the best, in my opinion, the best bread pudding in the city. Or really in the state. Um let me see. Hole in the wall spot. They got a like a Chinese soul food spot called Chinese Kitchen.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It is good as hell. <laughs> you what know, is, is
1: it the, is it the yakame what what is I nah, so that,
2: what it so that's that so that's like that's like a hybrid or like uh afro and vietnamese culture like the Yakamine. it's like a hybrid yeah of, that's what if, my if cousin like, took me i okay. soup, i mean if uh lo mein and gumbo collided it was some somehow finds way yeah. in between a yakameen yeah so it's not quite gumbo it's not quite low mein it's yakamine and uh that that's that's pretty good too. I ain't a, I ain't really like a soup cat, but I, I can put that down. Um, <laughs> let me see. And you know I can't. I always think about this spot, but it hit me at like two a.m. So right now my muscle memory, my got that COVID fog. I can't really think about it right now. But it's right uh-huh. on the tip of my. I will text it to you.
0: <laughs> you see the.
1: Um, when, <laughs> Chinese
2: kitchen uh, is holding the wall. That that thing is slamming. <laughs>
1: But well, they got rid of jeans, and I and I've been sick ever since. Yeah, jeans. That was my is, I miss jeans. <laughs> oh my gosh, I would, I would fly down there, and I would go and get a hamburger, no, a cheeseburger with gravy, and I would eat half, and I would wrap the other half, and it would fly up with me on the plane home. See, I've been trying, because... <laughs> I've been trying to change
2: my life a little bit, so I can't remember that, that <laughs> hole in the wall spot that I that's right on the tip of my tongue, but uh. I will say this right now, you know, we got king cake season. Mm-hmm. Man, that, that's the like, I done ate a whole damn near pie one day.
0: Mm-hmm. It's,
1: it's something
2: about it. I know when you look at it, it's like, all right, they, they're getting crazy over cinnamon rolls, but how people make it out here is like, it's next level.
1: No, I know it's, it's, it, it's, um, I saw the turn when we started getting more people coming from uh, Louisiana here because it was hard to even get king cake in Texas for for any reason, but now, they're they they making the them savory.
2: Yeah, they're making them savory yeah. now with, they got like stuff.
1: Uh,
2: they got yeah. spinach and artichoke, artichoke dip stuffed inside like this uh, garlic bread. It's, uh, let me stop.
1: Between that and um, my cousin for uh, Thanksgiving, she brought us um, a chicken that was stuffed with crawfish crawfish and rice and then it was another one that was shrimp and something else and man that was good y'all y'all don't even understand it was so good it was so tender but, it's not uh, like a turducken but it was just great just it was just stuffed with stuff
2: so you had you had asked me and you know i was just and look I, I literally created clubhouse just for this like i, I got <laughs> And you can look, you can look at my followers and all yeah, that. Yeah, you got, just you got
0: your, head, your head You know, I, I was
2: against, so like around like, uh, when, I guess when Clubhouse first popped off, I was trying to, I was in my silo. So I was like, man, I got to figure out all these different things, make these permits work. And I was, I was dealing with a lot of cash flow coming out and <laughs> nothing really coming in. So I went into like a silo to get my business and all that all together. And one of the things I excluded from, I said, I had to, I had to make a choice on where I wanted my brand to be at. I said, I can't, you know, I don't have enough staff to uh, get it popping on all of them. So, you know, unfortunately, Clubhouse got the axe before I even burnt. So, all this shit is new <laughs> to me. I, I just want to let you know, I spent like about 30 minutes because I ain't want to piss anybody no. off. And I was a like, person of my word. I was like, all right, <laughs> 30 minutes before I was, I was stressing. I was like, man, let me make sure my app straight.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, you
2: are amazing. I, but I ain't like, you know, I ain't, I ain't no, uh, no new foot around tech. Now nah, I'm just I'm real savvy on it. I'm just real intentional on what tech I put my my uh, my time into.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, you
2: know, I come I'll come back to clubhouse to support y'all on this. You know,
1: yeah. Hey, <laughs> e- even as, as I said many times, even if you're not able to come on Mondays, we always have replays, so you can listen to it like a podcast. It's
2: but not a problem. One thing I want I do want to say to everybody that's listening, um, you know, I, I you know I am in a black chamber, but I'm you know I, I got a track record of um making sure uh, black businesses are protected and making sure they're going into this, these spaces with the right kind of knowledge so you know um, there's there's a lot of different opportunities that exist and a lot of resources and uh, specifically with exporting your uh, your brands and there's a whole market I, I always tell everybody if you're already on the, the u.s shelves you're already competing against 85 percent of the global market because your you know your products aren't from the purely domestic locations that you're competing on shelves with so you might as well take as well take advantage of all these different federal resources to get out there get your brand to different buyers that's outside the states and any any brand that you create that's a competitor to china they got federal funding that will assist you in putting it out there and a lot of people want to consume uh beers now made by black hands but we just don't really have any they just don't really have any opportunity of brewers that's in the states that's going out there and going get it um so anybody that want to come with me <laughs> uh, my brand is in motion right now i'm doing all kind of trade opportunities and that's something i was i was focused on when i was in my was you know uh the shit is so kind of thick with distribution in louisiana and some of the systemic things i face i was like man all the energy i'm putting in going just a couple counties or a couple of parishes up north I could just put that same energy into going overseas or going to Canada or wherever, and it's it's paid out pretty pretty good so far. So you know, I, I would charge anybody that's a brewery owner or got ambitions to own it that's in on this in the the out of this to, to explore those opportunities.
1: You definitely there are several um, brewers, uh, bre- brewers and uh, brewery owners that are in the room, so it is not falling on deaf ears and. Um, I want to thank you again, John, for coming uh, and sharing up with uh, pre-Mardi Gras. I'm sure you're probably going to either go to bed or you have uh, another event to go to in another hour or so. I'm oh, not nah, sure. Oh, it no,
2: it's no sleep. <laughs> I might get, so I'm, I'm going to get a little sleep from 2 to 4 a.m. Then I got to wake back up early in the morning because Mardi Gras, like, you know, they got, you going and participating and joining it is one thing, but you setting it up, you got to <laughs> you gotta be a oh, night owl and, and get it popping. So like I mentioned, I'm about to go deliver yeah. some ice. Then I'm uh I'm gonna call it call it a shot at 2 a.m. and then it's 4 a.m. I'm gonna go do some pre setups at this event we hosting. Uh, it's like an inaugural Fat Tuesday on Orleans Ave. Um, mm-hmm. with a with a Zodico festival and all that that's gonna be tied to it. And then uh, I'll go to that, give out some product, go pick up my kids, and then we're gonna catch some of the parade. That's that's pretty much it for me. I'm gonna probably pass out after. Okay. <laughs> okay it's a, it's, a, it's a good day <laughs> all right
1: yeah, no. well everyone I I do apologize I'm, I'm going to apologize for um for uh chicken and champagne unfortunately she won't be able to make it to back to her place for um to do the discord purge portion she got into a lot of traffic because there was something something happened in the street and so there's a lot of police activity so as I said hey, we have plenty more months, so we'll, we can do it another time. Uh, those cocktails are not going to, uh, those recipes are not going to uh, expire, so we can do it at another time. So, but uh, thank y'all again. Thank y'all for coming. Thank you for celebrating Louisiana uh, Heritage uh, Month. It was near and dear to my heart. I am uh, one half Louisiana, and uh it was, I think it was exciting. I learned a lot. Uh, and I hope that y'all were able to learn some things too. And we'll keep it going. And we will yeah, see y'all it. next week.
0: Yeah, thank you so all. Kendrick, Chris, today, y'all have Chris.
2: anything? No, I'm good on my end. Just uh, thank you, John, again for uh, coming to the call, especially when he got a business schedule. So just appreciate that again. Yeah. No problem. appreciate y'all having me. Thank y'all.
1: Thank y'all so much and we will see y'all next.